Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Man, I'm grateful. I love you. How many of you guys know that we love you here at Makers? Seven of us. That's good. All right, so listen, since, since you obviously don't believe it, go ahead and high-five seven people and tell them, say, I love you. Come on, tell them. I love you. Seven people. Not five people, not eight people, not six people, seven people. Tell them, I love you. I love you. And stay standing. Don't you sit down on me yet. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm excited. I'm excited. The Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. They're playing today. Oh, we better clap for Jesus louder than that in a minute, so get ready. But, but I'm excited today. I'm excited to get into the word of the Lord today. And um, I, I, I just, I, I want to share so much uh, what God is saying. And I want to tell you, like, um, it is my privilege, it is our privilege, Melissa and myself, to just be a part of your lives and be a part of what God is doing here. And um, I'll tell you now, I've got a strong message from the Lord today, but how many of you guys know that sometimes we need to be challenged? Because remember something, the first step to change is always being challenged. And so we're, I believe the Lord's gonna challenge us today, but I want us to let the word of God continue to wash us in purity and to continue to shape us and form us and let his spirit work in us. Guys, we cannot do this without him. And we must say yes to even things that we don't always love hearing about how we need to continue to grow in our relationship with God. God is not coming back for a bride with spots and blemishes. He is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. So we must say yes to everything he's saying and doing to fulfill the assignment that he's put in our lives, amen. So I want us to pray today and prepare our hearts and then we're gonna get ready. Father, thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, today, God, for your love. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, thank you, Lord, that we have the chance to come together as, as kingdom family, God, and hear and study and receive. And Lord, today I pray, God, give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. God, may we take everything, God, that is said today, Lord, because it's not my words, they're yours. Lord, that we could take them, God, and they would uh, just take root in us and bear fruit in our lives. And we would continue to become the sons and daughters of God in the earth that represent you and advance your kingdom in beautiful ways. And Lord, I'm not sure, Lord, God, if, if you do care about this, but Father, if you do it all, Lord, may the Bengals be blessed and may the Steelers stink in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, come on, be seated. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, I wanna remind you as we get started today, we get started today, we're continuing our Greater Than 20 movement. This month we're focused on sharing. Somebody shout sharing. Sharing, last month we focused on sowing. This Greater Than 20 movement is all about us saying yes to not being the statistic and yes to being the standard. Being the standard, Jesus is the standard and because we're his bride, we wanna be the standard in the earth. And so we wanna focus in certain ways on never being a statistic but being the standard. And this month we're focused on sharing. Sharing what? We wanna share our faith, we wanna share about our church and we wanna share Jesus with everybody around us. Why is this important? Are you ready? Because the people of God don't share like they used to. People of God don't share like they used to. I'm gonna show you some statistics again today. And this one ought to bother you the way it bothered me. In 1993, anybody remember 93? You guys weren't born yet. 1993, I was seven, come on. 
89% of Christians agreed that sharing their faith was the responsibility of every Christian. Today, only 64% believe that. 25% less over an almost 30 year period. Not 25% more, 25% less. Please, I need you to hear me what I'm about to say. That should bother you. That should mess with your heart in a real way. If you believe that the church should be advancing and increasing, that alone should make you say, I need to share again. Because I told you last week some things that are also just so unbelievably tragic when you hear them, that 95% of Christians in this country have never led anybody to Christ before. 95%, even worse, 98% of Christians don't even invite people to the church they call home anymore. 98%. Church, what are we supposed to do with those statistics and say, okay, we're done being the statistic, it's time to be the standard. It's time to be the standard. We must begin to invite people back to the house of God. We must be people that share our faith and share Jesus everywhere that we go. How many of you guys know that we should be people that we have been saved to share? We have been saved to share. Not some of us, but all of us. Not some of us, but all of us. Together, we are the body of Christ. It's not one disciple's responsibility, it's all disciples' responsibility. And we must be committed to sharing about faith, sharing about Jesus, inviting people to be a part of what God is doing here. How many of you guys know, just like you need this, other people need this. They need the word of God. They need the spirit of God. They need the kingdom of God. But it doesn't happen until the people of God start saying yes to sharing again. And it happens when we say, Lord, wherever we go, we'll talk about you. God, whenever we get an opportunity, we'll share about your goodness. We'll share about your love. Pastor, what happens when somebody doesn't wanna hear it? Tell them anyway. Don't be mean, don't be rude, but tell them anyway. And listen, you say, well, what happens if they don't receive it? You get a chance to love them and then have another opportunity to tell them another time. But they need to hear church. You say, pastor, is it that important? There are so many people that are lost and broken and dying and going to hell and we ought to care about it. All of us ought to care about it. All of us ought to care that people are perishing without God. And we must say yes, listen, we must say yes to doing the responsibility that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, when he said, you go now and make disciples. You go now and share about me, you share about what I'm doing. If you're thankful for what God is doing in your life, tell somebody about it. If you're thankful for what God is doing in this church family and that you get to be a part of it, tell somebody about it. The time for the church being silent is over, we must be with our declaration of the goodness of God in every part of our lives and in humanity again in Jesus' name. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. We gotta be sharers. So I wanna tell you, as you leave today, we're gonna have our ushers at the back. We've got invite cards, at least to the church, that you can hand out and give to somebody. We got like 5,000 of them. So we're gonna give you two. If you wanna take 400, good for you. Share again. Care about people and share again in Jesus' name. Let me remind you why. The power of your invitation. 82% of people 
that are invited by a friend or a family member that don't go to church will show up when they're invited by a friend or a family member. 82% of unchurched people. That's the latest study that was done in 2020. Listen, you need to speak up and let the love of Jesus shine through you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's be shares. Come on, find two or three people drowning and say, be a share. Come on, be a share. Be a share. And I want to talk today. Um, we, you know, we just finished a series. We just, we just finished a series on Develop for Destiny, and we were talking about how we need to be adding things to our faith. Oh, let me back up for a minute. Just so you know, starting next Sunday, we're starting a brand new series called Jesus Or. It's all about John 14, 6. Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And it's really gonna be about eternity, about heaven or hell. People have to choose. It's either Jesus or something else. So listen, you be a bringer, invite somebody to come. How incredible would it be to see our altars full every week of that series, people giving their lives to Jesus because we invited them to experience the goodness of God. Let's do that together in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. But we've been talking about develop for destiny. We talked about how we need to add things to our faith and add them not just in, uh, sparingly, but add them generously, meaning uh, more than usual, even more than what's necessary. And last week we talked about love. And so today we're gonna practice what we preach because I believe today we've gotta continue to understand we must add love to our faith again. We must add love for the Lord and love for people to our faith. So today we're gonna to talk about love and the title of my sermon today is this, People, Pigs, and Priorities. People, everybody say, I'm just kidding, don't do that. People, pigs, and priorities. People, pigs, and priorities. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read the text. I'm gonna lay a foundation and then we'll come back to the text, but I want us to see something today because I believe it's so important for us to understand that we must continue to love the Lord, but we must love people the way God loves people. If you're with me already, somebody say amen. So let's look at this text in Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, verses 26 through 39, we're gonna read it. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. It's actually the southeast of Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, talking about Jesus, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Isn't it amazing how demons always know who Jesus is? I'm gonna tell you something. If Jesus wasn't afraid of demons, you don't need to be afraid of demons. Now, I will tell you, Jesus didn't go around looking for them, but when he was approached by one, he also was not afraid of them either. But notice what he said. This demon said, "Don't please don't torment me. And so what, what happens? It says, for Jesus commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For this unclean spirit often seized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And this demon said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Somebody say amen to the power of the Lord. But it notice it says, and the people were afraid. 
They also who had seen it told them by what it means that he, he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from where the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And when he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Notice the last thing Jesus said. He said, hey, go share. He said, now you go be a share of the goodness of God in your life. Listen, if that man can share, so can we. Come on, somebody. But one thing about this greater than 20 movement that we've been talking about is that we understand that we are not a group of individuals. We are a group of people that have become a body, the body of Christ in the earth. And the Bible says that we are a body that has come together and that each of us and all of us come together, together to do what God has called us to do. And can I tell you, as a body, we need to move and operate with this thing called unity. How many of you guys know we need to be united? We must be united together with the, with the purpose and the presence and the power of God in our lives. And let me tell you why it's important. Because the greater we, you, you, or we are united as a body, the greater anointing we will operate in being influential and effective of making disciples and making a difference. And so we understand that we're a body that's united. We want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives. But when we're the body, Jesus is the head. How many of you guys know Jesus is the head of the church? We're the body, Jesus is the head. That means we literally have been put together to reflect and represent Jesus wherever we go. We have been put together to reflect and represent Jesus everywhere we go. And one of the greatest assignments for the body of Christ is to love. One of the greatest assignments for the body of Christ is to love, somebody shout love. To love God and to love people in that order to love God and to love people in that order. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus said to the one who asked, what are the commandments that are most important? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. Isn't it amazing how we can love verse 39? And we put up, I mean, verse 37, and then we put up with verse 39. We can love loving the Lord and then try to find a way to try to do what he tells us to do. It's almost like if we were to take a test. Anybody miss taking tests? Me neither. Okay. It's almost like if you were taking a test and there's two answers on the test for every question. The answers are always and never. And you can, get to, to, you can get to the one that says, do you consistently love God? And we, without hesitation, will check always. But then you get to the next question, do you consistently love people? And we look at the answers, always and never. What we do is we make another box and write sometimes and we check that one. Can I get a witness? It's the truth. And so what I find is that, is that God commands us to love him, but also love people. But I need us to see something. Just like we were designed to love God, we were designed to love people. We were designed to love God and people. Look at John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
Your love for each other will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So let me remind us this morning, God values people. If you believe it, say amen. God values people. And if we are the people of God, we should have the same values as God. If we are the people of God, if we're the sons and daughters of God in the earth, whatever God values, we should value. Whatever God values, we should value. And what does God value? People. So if God values people, who should value people? We should value people. So if God values it, we should value it. Now let me go further because I need us to understand we should always share God's values. First John chapter four, verses seven through 11 says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Anybody thankful that Jesus loved us that much? But notice the last part, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. We must love one another. Now, I told you a few minutes ago, we're in the month of Elul on the Lord's calendar. And that's a month where the king would leave the palace and he would get into the field with all the people and they would have opportunities to come and spend time with the king without dealing with all the protocol. And I told you about the foreshadowing, the prophetic foreshadowing of how Jesus did those things for us. But I want you to see something. The kings of Israel knew something that we must continue to learn, church. The kings of Israel understood something, that they understood that they needed to get amongst the people because influence is built through relationships. Influence is built through relationships. And listen, relationships are not formed unless you spend time with people. Now, why is this important? Because it's a lot easier to trust someone that you can touch. It's a lot easier that you can trust someone if you can touch them. For too long, the church has said, well, listen, we will fund all of these things, we'll give our money, but don't you expect me to show up and do anything. Don't expect me to be there. Don't expect me to get where the sinners are. (gasps) Don't expect me to be where those people are. Listen, the kings of Israel knew something very quickly. If they were ever going to influence anybody in a good way, they had to be with them. If you wanna lead people to Christ and see people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel, you can't expect somebody else to do it when you can go and love and build relationship and have relationship and let people know Jesus loves you and what he did for me, he can also do for you. We have to see that, church. We have to see that we must be to the world. We must be present and available to the world in which we live. Why is that so important? Because we have to see and understand something, church. People need to see our faces. They need to feel our love. We must find a way to get to them and say, listen, we're gonna stop telling you to come in here with us. We're willing to go where you are and walk with you and love you and honor you and be 
the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the reflection and the representation of Christ. But how will anybody know if all we do is get here and gather together? So we can't just share our finances. We gotta share our faces with folks. We gotta share our time with people. We've gotta say yes to being committed to loving people the way that God loves people, the way that God loves people. Listen, I believe God has anointed me this morning to tell you that a major part of our spiritual focus and priority must be outward again. It must be outward again. For too long, the church is worried about upward and inward, and we forgot about outward like it was somebody else's responsibility. But it's ours. I know some of you are probably thinking, I wish I would have stayed and watched this service online because my toes are getting bruised. I understand that. And if you are watching online, we love you. I wish you were here. But the reality is that a major part of our focus must be outward again. So many people, church, don't know anything about Jesus. They know religion, they've seen that, but they don't know anything about the kingdom. They don't know anything about Jesus. How will they know if we don't go and love them to life the way Jesus did us? The way other people did. How many of you guys could right now tell, tell me and share a story about how someone else was very instrumental in you finding faith in Jesus? So many people could. Listen, you needed those people in those moments to point you to Christ. We need to go and do the same. We need to be the same kind of people committed to loving people just like God loves us. If you believe that, somebody say amen. We must be committed to sharing again, sharing our faith, sharing about our church family, sharing about Jesus everywhere that we go. Listen, that's why here at Makers, we have a service since the outreach team that goes out every week to love people, to feed people, to preach the gospel. That's why we partner with Bridge the Gap and Jim Turner and Lightshine Ministries in Batavia and a Caring Place in Mount Carmel. We wanna go to these places and serve and love people and bring them into the kingdom of God. If we're not doing it, who's doing it? How can we expect someone else to do something God has equipped us and called us to do? We've got to say yes to sharing. Somebody say yes to sharing. Come on. We've got to say yes to sharing again. We have to say yes to sharing in Jesus' name. So let's recap quickly. People are God's priority, so people should be our priority. People are God's priority, so people are God's priority, so people should be our priority. And listen, it will be our actions, not our words, that shows what we prioritize and value. It will be in our actions and not just our words that we will show people what our values and our priorities are. So let's go back to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, let's go back to that text. Here we see Jesus go to this place called the Gadarenes and immediately he met a man full of the power of darkness, immediately Jesus faces opposition. Can I go ahead and just teach you something about kingdom work? Always expect opposition when you're on a kingdom assignment. Always expect opposition. Listen, Satan never wants the light of freedom to enter into the dark of bondage. He doesn't want it, he's terrified of it. So anytime God calls you to do something and you step out and do it, you need to be prepared to face opposition. Listen, if you step out and start sharing your faith, go ahead and prepare for the first person you meet to be an atheist. Come on, somebody. Well, pastor, they said they didn't want it. Great, you can still love them right where they are. 
you can still speak life and be kind and love them. Why? Because you never know the opportunity you'll have. If you'll stay where they are and not expect them to always come in the church campus and building first, but stay loving and building relationship, God can take your faith, God can take your time, God can take your willingness to be available and use it to reach somebody that could not, buy, could not be reached. But expect opposition when you're on a kingdom assignment. Jesus faced it immediately. But Jesus meets this man who the Bible says had demons for a long time. In fact, the Bible says it was so bad that he lived in the tombs outside of the town and he was naked. I wanna tell you the story of sin has not changed yet. The longer you remain in sin, the more it will strip you down to nothing and surround you with death. The longer people stay in sin, the more it will strip you down to nothing and surround you with death. And so what does Jesus does? He asks the demon his name and the demon says, Legion, for we are many. It's interesting to note when he said Legion, that was a common term in the Roman military for soldiers. And a legion of Roman soldiers was typically around 6,000 soldiers. So it's easy for us to deduct here that there were a lot of demons residing in this man. He was possessed, oppressed, he was distressed, and every other word that ends in S you could think of at this point. That's where Jesus found this man. And Jesus, rather than looking with judgment or disdain or disgust, is filled with compassion and love for this man. How many of us would be filled with compassion and love for this man? Because he's the kind of man, if we saw, we'd turn and we'd walk the other way. I don't have time to deal with that right now. I'll jump in my text just for a minute. When's the last time you have made time for someone that needed Jesus? When's the last time you went out of your way, changed your schedule, fought through circumstances and situations to say, I need to go love that person to life. I need to share Jesus with them. But Jesus sees this man and he has compassion and he loves him. He has compassion and he loves him. And then what do we see after that? You say, well, pastor, why did Jesus do that? Because God the Father values people and Jesus being the son of God, guess what? His priorities always match the Father's. His priorities always match the fathers. So what happens? Jesus casts the demons out of the man into a herd of swine, spends a little bit more time with the man and continues through the town, loving on people, touching the people and letting the people touch him. He spends his time doing these things. And then the people do something strange in verse 37. The people do something strange in verse 37. They come together and they ask Jesus to leave because they were afraid. Now I'm gonna tell you, I don't believe they were actually afraid of Jesus. I believe they were afraid if Jesus stayed, he was gonna change the culture in which they lived. I don't think they were afraid of Jesus. I think they were afraid of what Jesus might do in that town if they let him stay any longer. You see, the town of the Gadarenes was a pagan town. Their focus wasn't the kingdom of God, but their own kingdom. The Gadarenes did not prioritize people, they prioritized possessions. The Gadarene people, they didn't prioritize people, they prioritized possessions. They valued pigs over people because you see the pigs represented their economic prosperity and fortune. Profit was more important to them than people. 
prophet was more important than them, the people. Pastor, how do you know? Because you can go back to verse 29 and see that it says the man was put into chains. Did the pigs put him in chains? Who put him in chains? The people. Rather than helping him and trying to meet any kind of need whatsoever, they said, we don't have time to deal with you. We're going to put you over there so we can keep moving forward with our lives. Now let's get real to where we are for a minute. How many of you guys know in the society in which we live, we value a lot of things over people? Come on, somebody. Don't you get quiet on me now. We value a lot of things over people. We value possessions. We value profit. We value prosperity over people. And these people, rather than keeping getting this man free, they, their culture had become so twisted that people were expendable and possessions were the priority. It sounds so much like the society that you and I live in today. Yeah, we don't care about pigs, but we do care about our possessions. We do care about our profit and our bank account. We do care about our prosperity. You say, Pastor, that's not true. How come we're raising a generation right now that cares more about phones instead of people? We're raising a generation right now that cares more about phones than they do people. We're raising a, a generation right now, listen, that will sacrifice people for success and profit all the time, every day. That's the society that you and I live in. But praise the Lord, church, that God said we can be a people within a people and you and I have a chance to change the culture in which we live. You and I get the opportunity right now in this time in humanity to change the culture and the society. So can I just make a declaration that Makers Church will be a people and a church of different makers, difference makers in places of society that we declare and we demonstrate we value people over possessions. We value people over things. We value people over money and prosperity. We value people the way God values people. May this house be known for loving people the way Jesus loves people. May we be known, church, for putting the needs of our community and our city ahead of our wants. May we be people that say we refuse to buy the lie of social media that liking is loving and clicking is caring. We will love folks. We will walk with them and pray with them, speak life over them, and see God do supernatural things because we love people the way that he does. Man, if you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise. That's for us. That's for this house. Our assignment is to love people. Our assignment is to love people. Every time I read the text, it blows me away that the people would ask Jesus to leave. They asked him to leave. I can't believe, they, they asked Jesus to leave. But I'm gonna tell you, Jesus wouldn't have stayed anyway. You wanna know why? Jesus will never stay where there's not a love and passion for people. Listen, you wanna know why there's so many dead and dry churches in America? Because the Spirit of God can't stay where the heart of God is welcome. What's the heart of God? People. The heart of God is People. And there are so many churches that have been, they have drifted away from the, the heavenly mission of the Great Commission. They have drifted away from what God told them to be, that the Spirit of God is no longer there because they said the heart of God is no longer welcome because the heart of God is people. 
we must be a people that say, Lord, you love them, we love them. Lord, you care, we care. God, what you value, we value. How many of you guys believe we gotta value people? We got to value people. Listen, it's dangerous, church. When churches stop loving people, that's when they become museums and monuments instead of movements. It's the truth. Listen to me. When churches stop loving people, that's when they become country clubs and entertainment venues instead of New Testament churches. That's, what, that's the shift that happens ever so slightly if we're not careful. But we have to remember, we were designed to love God and love people. And we cannot get out of alignment with the head of the body. How many of you guys know it's a bad thing if your body gets out of alignment? Physically. That's why we pay a million dollars to go see a chiropractor. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's bad when your body gets out of alignment. But spiritually, it's also bad when you get out of alignment with the head. Because see, the truth is this is the body can only function so long before it breaks down. And when we're out of alignment with the head, so many people want a spiritual breakthrough. They can't have it because they're out of alignment with the head because they say, well, God, what do you want? I love you. He said, that's only part of it. You gotta love people the way I love people. And so the truth is there are so many people hungry for a spiritual breakthrough, but in reality, they keep breaking down because they're not in alignment with the head. They're not in alignment with the head who is Jesus. Listen to me, church, in all love, we have got to be passionate about people again. And not some of us, all of us. We've got to be passionate about sharing our faith again. Come on, somebody. We've got to be passionate about sharing Jesus everywhere that we go and we get an opportunity. We've got to be passionate about sharing and inviting people to be a part of our church because we know the spirit of the Lord is here. They can find community. They can find love and freedom. We've got to be committed to being sharers of the kingdom of God. Pastor, I wish you'd stop saying that. I wish we could just start living it out so I could stop saying it. Because it's time we said yes. It's time we said yes, not sometimes, but all the time. It's time that we said yes on a consistent basis to be sharers of the kingdom of God. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Come on, I wanna finish with one more story, one more scripture, and then we're gonna close. This story is about love and action. How many of you guys know love is not a word, it should be an action? Love and action. Luke chapter five, verses 17 through 20. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And the Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. And then notice what happens after this. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. 
Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. What a powerful story. What a powerful story, church. These men had faith in Jesus and they had faith for someone else to forever be changed by Jesus. Listen, they had faith that Jesus could do a work. This man didn't know Jesus. How do you know? Because Jesus looked and said, your sins are forgiven. They had faith for someone else. They didn't let circumstances stop them. They didn't let a crowd stop them. They were committed to get somebody else to Jesus. When is the last time you were that committed to get somebody to Jesus? If the statistic holds true, not many of us. Because 95% of us have never led anybody to Jesus before. That's why we have to stop being the statistic and start being the standard. When was the last time that you were so desperate to get somebody to Jesus that you would go above and beyond to get them there? When was it? And if you can't tell me the last time that it was, and if you can't tell me it was in the last year, I'm going to ask you why. Because the mandate from heaven is not for some of us, it's for all of us. The mandate from heaven is to go and make disciples of the nations. The mandate from heaven is to love people the way we love God. And we've gotta be willing to say yes. When's the last time that you were so committed to helping somebody that could not help you? When's the last time you saw somebody and said, I'm willing to get uncomfortable, I'm willing to change my schedule, I'm willing to literally shift something around to encourage somebody, help somebody, love somebody because you know they needed Jesus. These people had compassion and love for this man. Listen, he was the priority, not themselves. They got up on a roof and moved tiles off the roof to lower him down. And we don't even wanna hand somebody a card and invite them to church. He was the priority. This man that needed help from Jesus, he was the priority. He was the one they said, we wanna help him. He was broken and bound. And listen, because of their love, he found freedom. They freely gave what they had freely received, love. They loved him, and because they loved him, they helped him. And listen, church, you have been given love to help lead others into the kingdom. You have been given love, and you have been loved to represent and reflect the kingdom of God. Listen, they didn't say when they saw this man, hey, let somebody else help him. We don't know who he is, he's a sinner. He doesn't even know the Lord, why would we help him? They didn't say, well, hey, somebody find Mother Teresa, see if she can help. They helped him, they helped him. We must be people that prioritize people over things and say yes to Jesus and sharing again. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Come on, I want everybody to stand to their feet all over the room.
I want to do two things this morning. I want my altar team to come quickly. Listen, this altar team, we're going to open the altar in just a minute. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, listen, Jesus loves you so much. You saw the text. He gave his life so you could find him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, we want to help, help you find Jesus. We want to help you walk with him and be with him. But I want to do this for those of us that are believers in the room. I want us to ask the Lord to give us a heart to share again. I want us to ask the Lord to give us a burden to love people the way that he loves people. And the only way we do that is if we start letting the Lord break our heart for what breaks his. We start committing ourselves to everything Jesus commanded us to do. And he did not just command us to love him, but to love others. How many of you guys believe that?